Howdy, folks. I want to just drop in here before the episode and say a big thank you to everybody who is supporting the Patreon. What this means is, at this point, our first goal of providing transcriptions for everybody so that people can access the podcast has been achieved. So super big thanks to everybody for that. And what that means now is we can start moving forward with the second goal for the Patreon, which is to start upping the archaic technology that I've been uh, getting this podcast done on. So please head on over to the Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash the hermit's lamp or their links in the show notes. When you sign up, you will get access to extra material such as short talks by me and going forward, extra material with the various guests that I have on, which I will not be sharing anywhere, along with artwork and previews of my new tarot decks and other creations long before I share them anywhere else. So head on over and support. It's no joke. As they say, every dollar really does help. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of the Hermit Slant Podcast. I have Jason Miller back with me today. And, uh, you know, I've been continuing to watch what Jason's putting out into the world. And, uh, you know, he's been on my radar to have back and continue our conversations about magic and living a magical life. And, you know, and, and I, I kind of want to talk to him more about teaching and helping people discover how to live that kind of life today. But, you know, Jason, in case people uh, haven't, met you yet and you should go back and listen to the previous episode with him uh, where are you jason what's what, what are you about oh man i'm all about uh i'm all about getting paid and laid no <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no so uh i'm not against getting paid and laid but that's certainly not what i'm all about um i i am about doing magic um in a way that is impactful. So I have noticed over the course of the last 30 some odd years that I've been doing magic that a lot of people, they put a lot of effort into a ritual and they'll get a result. And it'll be like, you know, I, I spent three hours summoning, you know, a goetic demon. And the next day I found a wallet in the street. Isn't that amazing? I It had like, 200 bucks in it that's incredible and it's like great where are we going to go from there like you know what what how how is this really going to make a big difference in your life i mean if you're in danger of getting tossed out of your house because you're 200 bucks short on the rent makes a big difference but still in all um whether it's whether it's for pure spirituality for love money etc whatever i'm about using magic making it meaningful making it have a big bump in your life Mm -hmm. and uh being able to look back and and measure it and say yeah that that made a difference Mm -hmm. the man i am today (laughs) the man i am today you know it's funny um that piece about looking back is so important I uh, I recently went through and uh, cleaned up all my shrines and all my like bits and pieces of of magical workings and stuff, you know, like because 
especially as I'm running along through life and work and whatever, stuff stuff accumulates in, in the corners, right? And uh, and I had done this piece of work that I was continuing to work at to break through to the next financial level, right? And uh, and when I when I was cleaning it up and going through the whole thing, I forgot that I had as part of that done one of those write write a check to yourself from the universe thing, right? Oh so yeah. I like, and I was like, huh, look at that. I'm currently making exactly that, and I'm frustrated that I'm not getting past it. <laughs> <laughs> So I uh, so I tripled that amount and uh, and put a put a new one in and fired it up again. I was like, and immediately everything just started escalating like crazy, right? It it's so amazing. The little tweaks. So easy to do. Yeah, mm. the the little tweaks that we can make. I remember um, a few years back, I was having difficulty same thing again you know i would make more money but somehow more expenses would show up and they just eat away at that and uh it was so frustrating and it's a it's a common enough problem you know i i would sit down and one day i I just sat down and and i might have cleaned my altar just before that time too because that's my go-to like when things are stuck clean up, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and not only do you get just a, a better view, but you, you do find those little bits and nuggets of the past that, that uh, tie it all together. But I sat down in front of St. Cyprian and I was just like, I can't seem to, to fix this man. Like, you know, I get more money, more money needs to go out. And St. Cyprian said, okay, well, you know, this month, do the same exact magic, but ask for the amount of money that you need left over after everything is taken care of. Mm -hmm. Duh. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. All of a sudden, there was this excess that I could then put towards... You know, savings, better use, house investments, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Well, and especially, you know, I mean, we're both both family people, right? And with a yes. family, those unknown expenses, I mean, you know, it's so easy for them to creep up and whatever, you know. And we're so lucky in Canada, you know, my 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 daughter just had strep throat. Um, but because of the the new way things are done here, to the doctor is covered. And uh, prescriptions are covered. So, but you know, previously, like last year before that came in, it'd be easy to you know you go drop fifty, sixty bucks for this and pile of money there, and you know, every time you turn around, it just adds up and adds up. Yeah, I think that the power of being clear about what the solution is, and the power of how do you pray or ask or or craft your sigil or whatever you're doing to solve the problem is such an important piece, right? What? Yeah. You know, and, and because, because we're not just praying, you know, we're, we don't describe ourselves as, as religious people necessarily. I mean, we might be religious people, but we're not religious in the sort of, you know, the old grandma 
I'm going to go pray and hope that this happens and, and leave it up to God and, and uh, thy will be done kind of thing. Sure. Um, because otherwise, why bother with magic at all, right? So yeah. we're, we're sort of getting actively involved. And in, in even if we're working with the same powers, the saints and, and, and gods and angels and Buddhas, etc., we're as sorcerers saying, you know, I'm, I'm part of this. I'm, I'm part of this chain of events here. So I'm contributing and I'm inputting. Um, at which point, yeah, the responsibility falls on you to, to, to ask for what you need skillfully to, um, to recognize when you've like in your case been given exactly what you asked for and then move to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's our responsibility. Um, but I, I see a lot of people turn their sovereignty over to the spirits when it comes down to stuff like that. It's like, well, they know what I need. And, and why are you even bothering then, man? <laughs> like, Yeah. I, I think that it's, you know, it's, it's, there's this thing I was reading through your new book the elements of spellcrafting and you know, we there's a section where you're talking about like uh caveats right you know and uh and like i think that for me when i whether i approach the orishas or whether i approach the other spirits i work with you know uh whatever whatever element of thy will be done exists in the universe i just assume they're they're doing that math for me as part of it right there right. are things that are just never going to happen there are things that you know, maybe shouldn't happen. Um, and, you know, and there are things that are maybe part of other people's will being done and, and they're going to not pr- allow me to be uh, interfering with that. Right. In the same way that, you know, um, it's not the monkey paw, right? Like, you know, they're not going to like kill somebody so I can get their inheritance. And, and, you know, and then I'm going to turn around and forget to say, bring them back as they were and, you know, instead live a, zombie love life or something right <laughs> you know, i think that i think that there's a, a a degree of intelligence in these processes right unless yeah. you're working with something belligerent in which case i tend to be like well why why go there what's the value of that you know and there are values but if stuff doesn't want to work with me i don't know that i want to work with it you know i see i'm the same way um there are I guess there are some borderline cases where there are spirits that are happy to work once they've been like in the grimoire tradition, they, they've been constrained mm-hmm. and then if made offerings to, and a relationship is built, but to even get their attention requires that initial, like, for the power sure. No, no. But in general, I'm the same way. It, there are so many ways to uh, to do something, especially now with with just the access we have to so many uh, so much information, traditions, and, and things like that. Um, and also, it help. You know, these things don't tend to happen when we are building relationships with powers. So of course yeah. now my 
telemarketers, man. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry they're, about they're, that. They're just trying to make their money too, you know? It's all I part know, of I know, I know. Speaking of prolific elements, you know? <laughs> right. We're, we're talking about demons. The demons are like, hey, hey, let me talk to you about your credit card balance. Yeah, let me talk um, to you about timeshare. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I forgot even what I was talking about now. It's well, we were just talking you, about when you erased it. When you're having relationships with spirits, it's something quite different. Oh yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's so different than looking up in a book and saying, "Well, what's the spirit that handles this?" And I'm going to contact them and make mm-hmm. a deal, as yeah. opposed to these are spirits that I make offerings to regularly, every day, all the time. Uh, I, I acknowledge special days and, and, you know, you build a relationship. So yeah. then when it comes down to uh, somebody in, in the strategic sorcery group the other day asked, like, why are the spirits so literal about everything? I'm getting exactly what I ask for, but just outside of what I intended. And I said, well, you know, get better at asking for stuff. But the other thing is build up a relationship let spirits into your life and you can, you, they'll get a better window into what you need. It's not necessarily belligerent. The assumption there is that they're all knowing, all powerful. Um, you know, you got to let they're them not, know. They're not stalkers, right? Right. They're not, they're not stalkers. 24 seven. They're not looking at everything. They're not Santa Claus, right? Right. You know, like they, they, they don't know everything. And if you don't sit down when you have their attention and tell them, right? And, yeah. You know, again, if you have a relationship with spirit, much of the time, the the solution to the problem is like, hey, my friend, I have this problem. I need to talk to you about it. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Here's my problem. Here's what it looks like. Here's what I've been doing. You know, I don't know what to do next. Or, or like, I just feel like I got no luck or like whatever you feel. And be like, hey, please help me out with this. And sometimes that can be it too, right? It's just a conversation and like, you know, hey, Help me out, my friend. And not even, not even like, and I'll give you this or whatever, right? It's like absolutely, yeah. absolutely, because because that <clears throat> that giving that back and forth, it's already present in in the relationship, just like with real people. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I always talk about borrowing fifty bucks. You know, if you cost somebody on the street, they're not giving you fifty bucks. Yeah. If if you ask a coworker. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But if you ask a friend, of course, they're they're going to be like, yeah, here, you know, do you need yeah. any more? Are you, are you good? Pay me back yeah. when you can. Uh, because you have a lifetime of, of the back and forth. And it makes all the difference. So every time I, uh, I tell people that you're going to be on the podcast and some other people too, but they're, they're always like, so tell me about Cyprian. What about St. Cyprian? What's going on with Cyprian? How, what do I need to know about St. Cyprian, right? Um, what, I mean, I feel like we talked about it last time uh, from what I remember, you know, but I'm curious, especially because it's been a little while. St. Cyprian is just seems to be growing further and further into the world these days. What do you think's up with that? What's, why, why is that happening? Oh, well, um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and and say that one of the things that's happening 
is that um, the focus is not so squarely on white European magic anymore. And as you know, I can, I, I, I will thank the, the younger generation of millennials uh, for some of this that, you know, while, while there's a lot, certainly a lot of crap I could give the millennial generation. I'm, I'm a Gen Xer and I'm sure you are too, but um, one of the good things is there, there is not quite as much focus on the white European magic, nor what white European, especially Victorians had to say about magic from elsewhere. So St. Cyprian was sort of, has been huge in Portuguese and Spanish speaking world for many, many years. You find tons of little, I have some Spanish, uh, everything from, from actual books of St. Cyprian to little like pamphlets, trade magazines in, in, um, in Spanish that, that are, um, you know, about St. Cyprian. And then of course you've got the Scandinavian books of St. Cyprian in, in, in Norway. So all this was sort of happening outside the, the, the German slash English pipeline, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, so it was already this huge presence that just needed to poke its way into the English speaking world. And then once it did, we do what we ever, what we do with everything and it, it explodes and he became immensely popular. I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of, of having written a really halfway, not even very good article surveying the cult of Cyprian, but I, I wrote it back in 2007. So I can pat myself on the back and, you know, get the, before it was cool cred. Um, <laughs> but the, you know, the amazing work has been done since then with um, Umberto Meggi and, and, and Jose Leto, um, their translations of, Cyprian books and and the commentary on them is is just huge mm-hmm. um and he's he's just a great worker you know people are looking at at Christianity uh and realizing that there's a lot more to it than the evangelical anti magical protestant mm-hmm. mindset. And maybe some of that is that we have a generation of people here who were not necessarily brought up in church. So they're kind of looking at the church with, with magical eyes rather than, Oh, this is such a drag eyes. Uh, Which is why you're getting more and more people are going to Latin mass, like young people going to Latin mass, wherever it's available. Um, so you have this interest in, in Christianity and, and people are looking at, at, well, where is witchcraft really preserved? If, if we can let go of some of the Margaret Murray thesis of, of pagan cults that survived in secret, well, you know, a hell of a lot of it was 
that folk magic came into Christianity and, and the, the ceremonial magic, the whole grimoire tradition. So once information about a saint of sorcerers became available, I think it was just people wanted to take it and run mm-hmm. and have. It's a, it's a very accessible notion, right? I mean, it's in our culture, you know, North American culture, the idea of saints and what we do with them. There's a, whether you're raised with it or not, it's to, to round enough that I think it's not super foreign, you know? Yeah, no, I, absolutely. And it's, you know, Cyprian himself uh, had already existed in such varied forms. You know, the emphasis in Europe is are on the, the books and spells that Cyprian himself was said to have penned whether whether before or after death. And then in the New World traditions from Peru up to uh, Mexico, the emphasis is on calling Cyprian himself as, a, as sort of a mediator between light and dark forces. And you can mm-hmm. see this in, in the Mesa traditions where they have the shamans have the two mesas laid out and St. Cyprian right in the middle. Um, and so Cyprian exists as this eternal between he's between everything he's between heaven and hell he's between christian and non-christian he he's a you know he builds bridges um and it's it's just brilliant the only things that i you know, i think some people who maybe were raised with cyprian in in the non-english you know uh object to sort of you know white people taking it and running with it in places that it never was historically the only thing that i really see that i ever object to is when people attempt to completely de-christianize cyprian utterly and say oh that was never really part of it and i was like well we already have merlin and and other sure things. You know, it's it's yeah. it's the very fact that he was a bishop that kind of makes it special. Well, I think that that's um, that was kind of leading up to what I was going to ask you as a question. You know, being so, what's what's the the thing people are getting wrong about this, right? Or what, what's the pitfall that people fall into? You know, because yeah, you know, I have conversations with other you know alochas and priests in the Uricha tradition about what what people are kind of misunderstanding as they approach traditions right you know so you know i think that you kind of already nailed it right like you know what 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 is cyprian without without christianity yeah yeah uh and and you know what is cyprian without justina justina i think it's downplayed uh quite a bit in, in favor of Cyprian, but it's important to remember that it was her that turned back his demons with the sign of the cross. It was her that wielded the power that attracted him to Christianity in the first place. And so I think one of the other things, apart from the de-Christianizing of Cyprian, and I get it. I mean, Christianity has, for every good thing about Christianity, there's a horrible thing about Christianity. Yeah, at least one. 
At least one. You know, and, and some people have been really just damaged to the point where this is not a useful thing in this life for them to, to even worry about uh, Christianity one way or the other. They, they left it and, and good because, you know, it was causing them a lot of pain. So I'm not one of those people that's like, you know, you have to be Christian. But uh, you have to be, I think, to work with Cyprian, you have to be comfortable uh, at least looking at Jesus, Christianity, and, and all the rest of it as a usable power, as, as, as a valid spiritual power. And it's always weird to me how people who are so open that they can embrace sometimes dozens of traditions at the same time and, you know, well, Hecate, queen of heaven, and blah, blah, blah. yet once it's Christian because of the, the baggage, it's like, oh, no, no, that is false. And I reject it. Utterly. Yeah. Um, well, and I, and I, yeah, I think, as, as you say, it's, it's, I think it's part of all of our journeys, ideally, to try and resolve and free ourselves of those baggages, you know? And I think about how when I started doing uh, Misas and sort of Spiritismo and Alan Kardec style, you know, ceremonies and stuff like that, um, you know, and, and praying for my ancestors who were Catholic or, you know, Anglican or whatever, um, with the prayers that they asked for, without any attachment to that, you know, came from, you know, a number of years of deconstructing less so explicit, uh, church history because i don't have much of that but more so cult negative cultural influences on that stuff that i was basically you know what screw screw you and your son you know for a lot of my <laughs> seniors right and uh you know but being free of that really allows for has allowed me to meet spirits where they want to be met where that feels appropriate to me and therefore you know when my when my grandmother's like say say the lord's prayer say the apostles creed say the you know, the Hail Mary, say this, say that. I'm like, cool, I'll say those prayers for you. That's fine. Right. But uh, but it, it's not straightforward, you know? No. For, for many people, and definitely for me, it wasn't at the beginning, so. Yeah, yeah. It, and, and there, you know, my advice is always, if that is is bringing trauma and discomfort, there are other powers, you don't have to work with Cyprian. And and I guess that's the worry that everyone has, that something becomes sort of insanely popular and people get involved only because of its popularity. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of a danger that really is. I've always kind of been one of those people. It's like, is the band good or is the band not good? How many other people like the band isn't really relevant, you know, to, yeah. to my enjoyment of them. Uh, but for some people it is, they want to be in on the thing no one else was in on. Well, you know, it's funny. So I spent time in the Orem Solace, which is a, a not very popular, not very well-known ceremonial order, right? I'm duatic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, in some ways, my time there was one of the most liberating of things because unlike many other systems um, where they, they gave name and form to whatever dualities and, and 
core principle and so on. Um, they, they, they just use generic terms and generic terms that they had set up for themselves for people within the order to work with. And so it was always open-ended. And then if you're working Enochian or Goetic or this or whatever, you shifted it and you, and you melded it to where you wanted it to be or where it made sense to put that together. Unlike uh, in other systems, you know, like when I was into Crowley's stuff and here's your specific, you know, or ordered organization and structure or, you know, in other places where it's like, well, this is always this person. It's like, eh, they can be many things. It <laughs> makes sense here, you know? Right. Because there's a, there, you know, there's more of this idea of there being a, uh, an archetypal or source that was putting on form as we danced with it and called it rather than having predefined form that we were required to meld ourselves to. And in that process, I actually became very malleable and very free from a lot of other stuff, which was pretty handy. So, Yeah, that is. Now, Orem saw it. They, they went like full Christian at one point, didn't they? A while back. I th- I I left the order uh, around 2000, 2001. Um, I think the, the, as far as I know, they're going more in like a sort of witchcraft, European witchcraft direction when I was leaving. Really? My, which wasn't really my particular thing. Um, yeah, but I, but it's been a long time and I'm, I'm no longer involved. So I couldn't actually say. Okay. Yeah, I I seem to remember something about um, Denning taking the order in in to like a you know reforming it as a Christian only order and then unreforming it as a Christian order just only a few years after that when people were like, nah, <laughs> that's yeah, it's hard to say. I I don't know that part of the history. It certainly wasn't a part of my time. But I mean, like many, uh, like many of those experiences, my uh, my work was mostly about my local person rather than the the bigger picture of things, too, right? Which is yeah, both uh, both a pro and a con, right? Because it's great when everybody's on the same page, but when your local local person and your international person or head of the order is doing something else, then you know that's kind of becomes disruptive. So we, you know, in in. I was in the OTO for a while and we had formed uh, a camp still around today in, in Philadelphia, Belazis. Uh It's now, I think an Oasis. It was, you know, they, they, the OTO has small camps and they have Oasis and then they have lodges and, and so on. Um, <clears throat> and when we started it out, it was like a bunch of people that were disgruntled from the New York scene. And then we made all these connections in Philadelphia, which had an OTO group and then everybody left. Uh, So we just gathered the people that were sort of abandoned. Sure. And we, we were the weirdest OTO group in the order at the time, because none of us wanted to do the Gnostic mass. Like none of us wanted to do it. None of us right. wanted to do Resh the the four times a day. You know, he's the sun god. He is the fun god. Ra ra ra, uh, kind of thing every day. And so we were just we were essentially just a magical group, and we were using the OTO as sort of this unstructural umbrella and 
that we would report to. And for years, like we had Bahutet Magazine, which is still running, but we wouldn't allow any Crowley reprints or, or poetry. And all the other magazines at the time were like, you know, here's a reprint of Crowley and mm-hmm. my poems. And so we were like, nope, none of that. And uh, it was all, it was all about the local people and what they wanted to do. And um, it, it was great. It was great. It, it has changed now. I think they're much more in line with the overall order uh, than it used to be, but it's the way things go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that there are certainly in my experience of the times and places where a group of people coalesce for one reason or another, you know, and, and those moments and times are wonderful. And uh, you know, when I was younger, I used to think they would last forever. And now oh, when yeah. I find myself in, you know, in those moments, I just savor them knowing that likely they'll pass at some point, you know, and, and may even be far and few between. And, uh, you know, so just revel with them. Be like, oh, how wonderful to have all these connections in this thing right now. You know? It then, is. It is. And, and you know, I, I, I don't know how involved you are in your local community. I'm, I live in the sticks. I live in New Jersey, but you know, down in the pine barrens. And, uh, I, I do miss having a big local community and, and the time too, because between business and kids that, that eats most of it up. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, local magical community, we have, uh, we sometimes maybe three or four times a year, I have like just, uh, call them a magically minded social night at the shop and just open, show up, make some tea, hang out, talk, whatever. So those are always great. Everybody's invited. So if you're hearing this and you want to come get in touch. Um, and then for me, it's, uh, you know, because my primary work is Orisha work, right? So it's uh, ceremony, ceremonies and stuff like that that happens. So, you know, right. Early in the year, I was down, down in the States helping at a, at a birth priest. And, you know, those are, those are great, you know, um, but they're not they're not so much local and they're not so they're not really ongoing they're more periodic when they're required so right mm-hmm. right but you know the sh- the shops are wonderful and and <clears throat> the community that i mean back you know, when i was starting out the shop was your only link to the community really if if you if you didn't know it already if you were just interested in magic, it you it was like putting in time at the shop. You just like to hang out, talk with the shop owner, and mm-hmm. they, you guys facilitated all the introductions. So it it was yeah. really just through getting friendly with shop owners in the area that I got to know who was doing what where. And for me, it was uh, because I lived in sort of small town Ontario growing up. Um, it was twice a year there was a psychic fair, and I would go and find stuff there, which is where I bought like magic and theory and practice when I was twelve and stuff like that. And, right. and then it would be like six months of like trying to understand what the hell was being said in those books and what you're supposed. To, what do I do with my hands? Where am I supposed to stay? What's going on? You know. But that was it because you know. You know, I was too young to drive, too young to get anywhere. There were no buses to the city, you know, back in the 80s and stuff like that. It was just like, that was it. 
take your books, you go home, you read them a bunch, try and figure it out, realize you don't know what you're doing, and then try again, you know? So no YouTube videos to uh no YouTube videos. to to set you right. Yeah, for sure. So one of the other questions people uh somebody posted was uh and I feel like I already know the answer to this, but I'm gonna ask you anyway. So um you ever run into people who are disapproving of your practices? I mean, we were talking about, you know, people who didn't like your books and stuff like that before we got on the call. But like, you ever like face to face in your community or, you know, that kind of stuff run into anything or is that? Rarely. Yeah. Rarely. Um, <clears throat> I I benefit from from having not only a common name, but several other famous Jason Millers. Uh-huh. So when I had a day job, um, it was, it would be an odd thing for them to find out about me, even after I started publishing books, because you've got Jason Miller, the playwright, Jason Miller, the MMA fighter, um, and now you've got Jason Miller, the, you know, Trump campaign dude, uh, who I was, who someone wrote like bitching about Trump to me. And it was clear they thought that I worked for his campaign. Like, how can you, an occultist, work for Donald Trump? And I was like, two different people. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even look like that guy. Um, but, <laughs> um, you know, so... It didn't happen too often uh, that that people would find out. When they did, I have a way of explaining it or presenting it. So it's amazing if you just drop certain words out of your vocabulary. Like demon? <laughs> like, well, like demon, sure. Um, you know, so for instance, all right, I can go to a Buddhist ceremony and, and, you know, we can take a purba and, and make a, a ritual doll, essentially a voodoo doll, a linga and, and stab the shit out of it and release, liberate it quote. <laughs> and, and, you know, essentially just hardcore black magic. But if you tell somebody you're going to a Buddhist event, oh, but the Dalai Lama is so holy. Oh, that's wonderful that you're interested in Buddhism and meditation. And um, you can say, you know, I'm, I, when I introduce myself at, to other parents at the playground and they ask what I do and I say, I'm a writer. And, I, you know, I, so I work from home and that's why we spend summers elsewhere and, and things like that. Um, I can say, well, you know, I write on mysticism or in meditation. That's easy for most people. Like they don't, they don't think too much about it. You can, if they press, you can say, well, you know, I write about shamanism or fringe religion, right? The moment you say magic, then it's sort of like, oh, I don't know. And then if you say witchcraft, now you're now you're introducing the language of the diabolical of, of what society has called 
you know, it, it relates, you know, I mean, and, and modern witchcraft willfully and knowingly took on the constellation of terms around the witch hunts mm-hmm. and, and co-opted those and used those terms and, and to good effect, I think. But that's why witches get hassled by Christians and druids tend not to. And and because people don't know what a druid is, so you're just some crunchy hippie dude. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, witches, pagans have trouble, but somebody who is true describes themselves that way might not. Somebody might think they're a racist, but, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, they they they're not going to get that do you worship satan kind of thing mm-hmm. um so and i think that it really it, is very much about um for me it's very much about how you frame it and for me it's 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 such a clear given about my life and i can explain it in simple terms you know, I explain it to my kids as they're growing up in simple terms. They get to know more and more as time goes on about my religious Orisha practices, you know. Uh, and, and there's so many ways in which you can just sort of frame it. And I find, for me, almost without exception, when I approach the conversation where people are like, wait, wait, you kill chickens? I'm like, yeah, dude, do you eat chicken? I see you're wearing leather shoes, <laughs> right? Like you know or whatever um and and where 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 if you're grounded in it i find that it's rarely an issue you know yeah Um, i mean it's always possible to be an issue um but uh but almost never you know i've had one person give me a hard time at the shop since i opened the store five almost six years ago and he's some older local dude who uh who just was stood in front of my door one day blocking it and I went out to talk to him to get him to move and he was waiting for the bus and he basically just got really mad and started swearing at me and telling me I was going to hell and whatever and you know and then some woman who was waiting with her kids at the bus stop started yelling at him to stop swearing very quickly became the end of the conversation and then I see him walk past now because I'm still in the neighborhood but uh, he just eyes forward and ignores me completely now, you know, and, and one other person who, who no longer does this, but for a long time, you still leave uh, little, little inspirational God pamphlets in my mailbox all the time. But that was it. Like he just, he's leaving. And if I saw him, he'd be like, Hey, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm going to work. You know what? I have this here. Take one of these with me. And I was like, sure, man, whatever, you know, but never, nothing ever escalated. Cause I never escalated it. You know? Yeah. No. I, I mean, I love the little pamphlets. Um, I, I mean, I always thank people for them and I just hold in my head that obviously I don't agree with them, but this person feels like they have the spiritual equivalent of the cure for cancer. So if they think that that's true, then the moral thing to do is to spread that far and wide, right? Like not to be like, don't tell anyone we, you know, we have the secret keys to enlightenment in in heaven. Um, So I always look at like, if somebody is just sharing or they knock on the door or something like that, 
I always kind of assume the best because yeah. it, it's done, even though I think they're deluded in, in what they believe, I think their moral intention to share it is good most of the time. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's, you know, just masking their desire to persecute others. And, and that becomes apparent pretty quick. And, you know, thankfully, you live in Canada, and uh, I live in the relatively, for America, more enlightened northeastern United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are some areas of of my country where I got to believe I'd probably get a lot more hassle than I do here. Uh, one of the reasons I don't live in some areas of the country. For sure. Yeah. In, you know, in, in that my kids would be going to school, some parent would Google me, and now my kids would be having a hard time. And, and, uh, that's. Well, you just go to your, go to your Buddhist meditation and solve it, right? Yes. Yeah. I can, <laughs> I can just. It's just Buddhism. No, I saw the books. <laughs> it's not just Buddhism. It's so many things. That's funny. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I, I, I think probably probably because I spent so long with a mohawk and being all punked out and stuff. I, I just people don't tend to argue with me too much about stuff, and I don't really tend to engage people. You know, the minute stuff comes up, I'm always like, you know what? I'm going to go now. See you later. You yeah. know, and just opt into those conversations too, right? So, yeah, it it's you know it it the times that it comes up are man, they're just few and far between because ultimately, people aren't all that interested. And mm. if they're not interested, then they're not particularly interested. You know, it, it's it's a weird thing, but if you are able to talk about other things and and hold a real conversation with people about something other than that, which is a talent that sadly not everyone in our community has, but uh, it goes a long way. It's like, look, you know, if you invite me over for dinner, no, I'm not going to start prattling on about religion and weirdness unless you ask. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Back when I used to work in advertising, I, uh, I discovered that there were certain uh, places that I would end up and, uh, and there were certain kinds of conversations that went better. So like when I was going down to the print shop to talk to the, uh, the guys running the big printing presses and do color proofs, you know, a lot of those guys really dug sports. And so I would check the paper, and see what's going on and be just prep myself to have a conversation with them. And I it didn't hurt me at all. They loved it, you know, and, it made for a better relationship, you know, and that showing an interest in what other people are interested in gets us a long way a lot of the time, right? And oh, yeah. avoids a lot of problems, right? Because then you have that personal connection where they're like, well, Jason's not really that bad. I mean, he takes kids to the park all the time. How can he can't be evil? He's going to be good. So whatever, I'll give him the benefit of the day, right? That's it. Yeah. So first of all, thank you for making time today. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah. What uh, what do you got going on? I know you have this this book that's come out this year, The Elements of Spellcrafting, which is great, and people should definitely check that out. 
What what else is going on? Where should people find you? What do you got coming down the line? Well, uh, people can find me at strategicsorcery.net. And uh, the big thing coming down the line is the the next cycle of Sorcery of Hikate opens up uh, in May so for a June start. This is a class that it got so much bigger than I ever expected it to uh, because it it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard, it's the hardest class that I do. Like as far as like people want, so, you want something to do that, you know, requires a commitment and uh, will, will get you results, but is going to ask something more from you and, and, yeah is going to challenge you and is going to tell you like the first month or two, you're, you're going to come to me and say, Oh, I had this vision of it. And I'm going to be like, that's great. Keep, keep doing the ritual, please. Like, you know, like the vision is great, but just, it doesn't, doesn't mean anything. Just keep going. Get, let's get deeper. Let's go deep. Let's not, let's not settle for, I did a ritual. I had a vision. Like, is it important? Is it telling you something you didn't know? If not, make a note, celebrate, have a cupcake, then get back to work. Um, So I never expected a program that required like that amount of effort and and work. And, and, you know, I can be challenging and and just tell people like, that's not important right now. (laughs) Um. I never expected it to take off, but my God, it, it has. And well, she's a real powerhouse, right? I mean, she's another one of those ones who, uh, who's, who's presence in the world and is, is on the rise. So I'm going to, I'm going to share my vision. You can tell me it's not important afterwards. <laughs> so, uh, so I haven't done your course. Um, but years ago when I first started reading in, a, in a, somebody else's store in Toronto, the person who, uh, who owned the store, Hecate was their their thing. They were all about that. And most of the people who worked there were about her. And sort of like it was it was like the anchor of that store, right? And I'd been working there for a little bit and uh and they were doing a big ceremony for her. And uh and I didn't go because I was like, nah, it's not it's not my thing, right? And uh, so I had this dream where she showed up, you know, uh infinitely dark and infinitely expansive at the same time and she just looked at me up and down said you're not one of mine but you're all right you can keep working here and that was the whole dream and i was just like perfect <laughs> it's done. And, and that's you know that is an example of it's got meaning you know it's a seal of approval it's 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 got um it, it's got an essential message and then, but it's not something you want to sit and like fuss over, you know? No, no exactly. Like, you can I, keep I, working I there, got, which is. I got my approval to continue to be employed there. And uh, that's great. Cause I'm sure that if she didn't like me, I would have been gone. And then that's it. And I'm like, all right, you know, and, and, and the other piece, which was, yeah, you don't need to get more involved in this stuff. Cause it's not yours. I'm not, I'm not for you. And I, I've, I've had that happen. Uh, as well before i became involved in buddhism uh i was getting very interested in haitian voodoo i was uh 
trading correspondence with Max Beauvoir. I was studying as anything I could get my hands on and putting together completely half-assed ceremonies of my own sure. to connect uh, with the Orishas, uh, as, as everyone did in the, in the 90s. And, and uh, I would read anything. God, I lived practically on the, uh, the New Orleans voodoo tarot from Louis Martinet. Mm-hmm. And I there was this point where I was getting ready to go to Haiti and um, Legba was kind of like, maybe not, maybe not <laughs> like me. Yeah. Maybe, you know, and I, like you and I are cool, but maybe you don't want to get involved in all this stuff. Okay. And I, you know, looking back later there, there are, uh, I really don't react well with tobacco, for instance. And I just, both uh, with my lungs, my senses, I I get kind, I have, I don't know, maybe something happened when I was a child with cigarettes or something, and it just, it sets me off. And that would have been a big stumbling block for me. Uh, A few other commitments and taboos probably would have been a big stumbling block for me in the long run. And so it was really solid advice. And, and I was like, well, where should I go? And it was, it was right after I asked that I was in upstate New York and I was talk, did a, a lave tete with Louis Martinet that day. And then um, that evening, Michelin Linden, his wife was like, you know, let me tell you about my experience at the Kala Chakra. And it was really, it hit me hard, partly because I was on three different psychedelics at the time, but it hit me hard anyway. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I went back and I called up John Reynolds, who I had known for years already. And, and he was the first Westerner to be ordained as a Nakba Tibetan sorcerer. I was like, I'm in. What do we do? (laughs) You know, Legba sent me to you. (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, that is a a tremendous piece of wisdom, right? Yeah. You know, and like in reading the shelves for people, it's something that people don't expect at all. And they're like, look, you know, who's got the answer? Those people, this group, your psychiatrist has the answer, but we don't have the answer for you. You know, and that, that listening to that voice and going and being like giving up, sort of sense of definition that we start to formulate around these things um, in, in light of a bigger, deeper truth or a more complete truth, I think is, uh, is one of the best things you can ever do for yourself to really honor that when it emerges, you know? Amen to that. Yeah. Amen to that. Cool. Well, so people should check out your Hakati course. It's going to be deep and, t- and challenging and people should head over to your website. perfect well thanks again for making time jason lovely to chat with you as always thank you for having me so thanks as always for listening i definitely appreciate everybody who takes the time to tune in to these podcasts and especially those people who send me all sorts of kind words and thoughtful feedback about what we're doing here Uh, i really appreciate it if you are inspired by what's going on please consider supporting us by going to the Patreon link in the show notes. 
and or also by reviewing us on iTunes to help people find us more easily or just sharing this in your social media feed, maybe even with a little sentence as to why people might enjoy it and take the time to listen to it. Thanks for helping spread the word. Thanks for helping make this happen. Thanks for being out there to share all this good stuff with.